Okay, say when. Uh, when. Starting off in DCT <laughs> fashion here. All set? Ready. A whole lot of awesome. Well, I, tend, I, tend, I tend to think we just uh, acronymize it. O-T-S or O-S. O-D-S-T. O-S-S. P-O-S. Point of sale? Well, that was random. If you've ever worked retail, that's what P-O-S stands for. If you ever drive a car, it stands for something else. Is it just me, or is this a predominantly Irish group of people? Patrick! <laughs> you got Sean there, and that's that's the even the spelling, you know. Oh, the wee little leprechaun with him. <laughs> Sorry. I love it. <laughs> it's too. This has fallen apart already, hasn't it? <laughs> the wee little leprechaun! <laughs> yes, Perhaps it has. we should be getting on with the recording before we are. <laughs> what we should do is we should have an episode of Over the Fence, where we all speak in an outrageous accent for the entire thing. Yeah, what I was thinking about doing oh. is um, actually starting out the podcast with the outtakes that we're in, uh, hurriedly making right now. And okay. I was going to like, I was going to add, I was going to alter the audio so that it, you know, it's obviously not the podcast kind of deal. And we, and we, and we like many of you, you know. <laughs> and, like <laughs> and we like many of you. And we like, ma- let me start that. No, no, we like many of you. <laughs> Not all. <laughs> just, just not all. No. <laughs> None of you, actually. No. Okay. All falls apart. Three, two, one. <laughs> was a booger. I, in fact, I, pur- <laughs> I, pur- <laughs> I purchased Schism. I still have it. Oh, shoot. I was muted. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you been talking the whole time and didn't know it? A <laughs> <laughs> few times, apparently. <laughs> got to go back and say it all again. Now. Uh, okay. we got to start all over. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Cavern Today Over the Fence. The Cavern Today was originally conceived as a fan project surrounding Uru in specific and the Mist franchise in general, with its roots beginning in Until Uru. However, regrettably, Uru just isn't happening now, and while we at the Cavern Today wish Cyan all the best, whether we wanted to or not, we've all moved on to other pursuits in games and technology. Based on this progress, we at the Cavern Today present for you our Over the Fence production. We're fans of Myst and Uru adventure games, and we, like many of you, are fans of other games, other game genres, tech, and many other things that may, in some cases, only tangentially work into the aforementioned. So without further ado, we give you our Over the Fence Podcast 1. Joining us today are, and I must admit, uh, we have decided to uh, drop the Uru nicknames uh, for the time being, so we'll be going with the real names. Uh, So Anthony is now known as Anthony. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yo. Hello, Eva. And uh, also with us are Jonathan. Hello. Uh, that's right. Formerly known as Janathus. And the Janathus. The Janathus. Also, <laughs> we have Nick. We used hey. to be a team. Yeah, all the way from Australia. Oh, the way. Tomorrow, where he is. Yeah. 
You're it's in actually, tomorrow. Um, what's what's yeah, it like? Tomorrow. It's yeah. pretty nice. It's better than um, yesterday, which will be your today, I assume. It's good to know. So we have something okay. to look to. Okay. <laughs> we also have uh, Patrick, a.k.a. Morris. Hello. 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 We have Sean, who uh, formerly uh, applied his trade as Drachmith. Yellow. And last but not least is Jeff, who was known as Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Jeff White. They don't right? need nicknames. And, and who are you? Oh, yes. I was known as Bowag in the past and still am in certain circles, but I'm going by Griff these days, as I have for over 50 years now. And it, it seems to work well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about Magic Quest Online, I, Cyan's yes. new current project, you know, shrouded in secrecy. They are very busily at work at it, and uh, there's not a whole lot that can be said short of the fact that they are very much at work at it, and that it's coming along well. As far as we know, it's supposed to release sometime this fall, and that's based on the official Magic Quest website. When this fall, we don't know. I, did the was there a screenshot on the site? I, I know that somebody at the uh, Uru Obsession got a screenshot, but it was it actually on the site? Not so, that I remember, but I haven't seen it in a few days. The screenshot I saw, if you go to the site, they play uh, that video in the intro. It's actually in that video. Oh, yeah. okay. Hey, okay, yeah. So there's a hint of a screenshot at least. Uh, the whole point of Magic Quest Online, for those who are unfamiliar with the uh, the uh, concept, there are located in various parts of the United States, Magic Quest sites, much like, you know, Chuck E. Cheese or something like that would be, oh. where uh, uh, kids or adults or families uh, can pay an admission fee, purchase an electronic wand, actually quite reasonably priced. And um, the premise is that they actually can act out in real life, real life environments, Magic Quests essentially, where they are given a uh, quest uh, to follow can seek out certain runes, for example, can take on dragons and folks like that in battle simply by casting their wands at interactive objects in these environments, be it a video display or or a physical object or something like that. The uh, concept was proposed uh, to Cyan Worlds uh, to ask if they would be interested in taking it on as a virtual online version of Magic Quest, of the physical Magic Quest sites. And so that's what's actually happening. The uh, concept is, as I understand it from their website, that points and runes and such that you accumulate in the virtual world will apply uh, to the real Magic Quest locations and vice versa. So there is a continuity between the real world sites and the virtual Magic Quest. And that's basically it. You will, as I understand, find yourself in a realm which is equivalent to an age in Uru, for example, and will be greeted by the, um, say, the master of that realm via a video monologue. And he or she will uh, describe the story and what you need to do in that realm uh, to complete that part of the story and how to begin. You interact with the game, as I understand, I think it's supposed to be like the uh, the physical games in that uh, your wand is your is your key to all of the interaction. And, uh, and so it remains to be seen exactly how it works. I'm looking forward to when it releases, to tell you the truth. I'm just so curious about it, having looked at the Magic Quest website and read the hints of what Magic Quest Online might be like. So we're... Hoping it's very cool and hoping it's a big, big thing for Cyan. Whether it will bring us eventually um, open Uru remains to be seen. Okay. As I understand, uh, Cyan's plate is pretty full right now. Well, that's good for them, at least. Maybe. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe it'll be good for us in the long run, but who knows. We'll see. I think that this is a really cool thing to be dropped right in their laps, and I wish them all the best with it. Mm. Yes, and so do we. Yeah, it's a bunch of fine people. So, 
moving on. Um, Nick thinks that uh, adventure games are coming back into style. I would do it. I would argue that Adventure Games never went out of style, but um, what's your take on it, Nick? Well, I mean, I think it's actually very interesting because one of the publications I write for actually did a recent feature on exactly this issue. And yeah, it's just very interesting to sort of see, I guess, the wide variety of, I guess, new current generation adventure games being released. And also, of course, there's been the much publicized LucasArts backlog that's been released on, on, on Steam, which includes a lot of older adventure titles but True. i think it is yeah. it's it's for some reason maybe it was simply because of the success of uh sam and max which i guess you could call the 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 flagship re-release the um, catalyst for yeah yeah and then yeah. Every, and then and obviously like telltale have been kind of the uh torchbearers in this regard oh, yeah but they, um, even, they even did the strong bad game yeah yes <laughs> which, yeah they did yeah they, <laughs> that which was pretty fun I did, actually I, yeah, it, it was it was funny more than fun. I thought. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess you know after Seven Max, they go, hang on, we there's a lot of there's actually a market still for this kind of stuff, and so then well, you see. Well, it's kind of neat with yeah, the Tales of Monkey Island that just came out. I mean, the fact that Telltale is made up of primarily of people who all left LucasArts adventure game uh, production yeah. team, so they well, all well, used I mean, to make all those games. They're kind of coming yeah. back to their own franchises in a weird who's roundabout. Actually, who's actually been ta- playing Tales of Monkey Island? I have. I would if I could get it, but I don't have Steam, so. Uh, you can get it through. Um, it's also on the Wii right now. I think oh, is all, it? Yeah, yeah they got the first on... season with three episodes up on the Wii. Too bad I don't have a Wii I think, anymore. I think you can get individual episodes through um, Amazon as well, as yeah. far as I know. Uh, but uh, I've also seen a lot of other similar, like, kind of point and click style adventure games come out, like another. I don't know if anybody knows of the. My friend showed me this uh, sort of. Uh, it was made for Steam, I think, this Penny Arcade game that came out and it's you know oh, sort yeah. of very it's very not exactly appropriate for ever, everybody but it's like very mm-hmm. much a point and click adventure game so i've seen that more and more well, lately is the point did, did we mention that tales of monk island are also on the xbox 360 yep is oh, it really wait no did we or they just uh, released the uh, same max season two on the 360 i don't think they have uh, tales yeah. of monk island up there yet i'm pretty sure tales is on 360 but they're planning on releasing it there eventually but we might not see that for another like five or six months and they named them now too. Each of the seasons, I think. What what do they call the first one? Is Save the World, and the second yeah. one is Beyond Time and Space. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't get much more kind of cosmic and dramatic <laughs> than that, really. Do I, I thought I saw an advertisement for it on the Xbox 360. That's why I <laughs> I thought it was already there. Maybe it's coming. You're seeing all these games popping up in very weird places. There was a the Indiana Jones game that came out on the Wii recently had a the Wii version had the entire Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis hidden as an unlockable in the game. And really? the Wii version outsold all the other versions because of that, because it was only... Mm-hmm. And, I mean, people were buying the game just for Fate of Atlantis, because <laughs> the other game's not really that great. And it's neat to see them all pop up on Steam. I mean, I finally got a chance to play The Dig, and, I mean, that's a really neat game. Uh huh. Mm. From way back when that I never got a chance to play. Well, I've also gotten um, Loom back again that I haven't played, oh, yeah. had a chance to play. But I'm like, oh, Loom, yes. And, you know, also got the uh, special edition of Secret of Monkey Island on my iPhone and all, all this kind of stuff. It's just like there's this huge quantity of just old school adventure game stuff that's just coming, coming back out. out of all the yeah, same it's all the same time. It's really incredible. And then, of course, there's also um, <laughs> Brutal Legend. Uh, which is kind of <laughs> <laughs> not quite adventure but 
You know, it's in that similar kind of. It's like it's like it psychonauts, is, though, I think. You know. Well, that's yeah, that's is. the thing that that's I wanted to get on the next point that I didn't put into our itinerary is that I think that I, I start I kind of started with adventure games on the computer and kind of morphed into an action adventure player. And there's an article <clears> that I still can't find again that I read on the web about that where they they said adventure games never died; they just kind of became action adventures slash platforms. Oh. Yeah. Did and, you guys read that old man Murray link that I post on yeah. the forum? <laughs> yeah, adventure games didn't die; they committed suicide. There's a lot of mechanic linked. Yeah. I mean, I won't read out the whole thing because it will just take forever. But basically, the example that's used is um, Gabriel Knight, which was an old school kind of dramatic sure. game, and it was just basically outlining one of the puzzles where you have to disguise yourself. So to do this disguise, you have to you know, uh, attach a piece of sticky tape to a hole in the fence so a cat can walk through it. And so all the cat hair gets stuck to the sticky tape so you can use that sticky tape to make a mustache so that you can wear the mustache and pretend to be someone who doesn't have a mustache. Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So it's like... That's so lateral. <laughs> but it's like, you know, every step of that process is just ludicrous. Why would you... Why would anyone ever do any of that? It just doesn't make any sense. And I think it's almost like Starship of, Titanic. You kind of had to think like Douglas Adams to get anywhere in that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. gosh. And I think it's just kind of like adventure games got to this point where they became incredibly contrived, not just in terms of 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 story and characters. I mean, I think that it's okay for that because there's sort of this idea of adventure games being intrinsically comic. But when your actual yeah. game mechanics and the actual puzzles are so contrived. It's like, yeah. why? And you get frustrated because you're like, but that doesn't make sense. Why would I try to get a cat run through a hole so I could get a mustache, mm-hmm. so I could disguise myself as this guy who doesn't have one? Yeah. Like, why couldn't you just, just make no sense. hair off the cat yourself? Yeah. 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 <laughs> or why, why even use cat hair? Like, you know, use your own hair maybe. Pull your own hair out. I, I, I yeah. don't know. I've had games make me tear my hair out. <laughs> well, actually, it kind of brings up the discussion of the adventure game genre has been going for quite a while now. And do you think that all the good puzzle ideas have been exhausted and uh, developers are kind of going for these off-the-wall puzzles simply to you know, have something different or something to do? Uh, that's, that's what I kind of thought it was, you know, because, yeah. you know, some things have been kind of done. And I think that the answer to it, like my latest Game Conquest, Arch- Uncharted 2, I think is like it isn't so much to be completely original. It's to com- it's to combine some other factors you know spice it up with something new but don't don't like take a complete step step to the left and completely not do what you were doing before Uh uh-huh yeah yeah well i mean i just played that uh Fall, which is the sequel to the longest journey which was an old adventure game from i guess the early 2000s and uh it's you know it still holds up really well and it was an Uh xbox and pc game but i think you can get it on xbox live it's one of their games to go things that you can download straight to the system itself but uh it's it's still a really well put together adventure game i mean it's got uh-huh. combat mechanics in a couple of places in the game and that's kind of sketchy but the adventure gaming part of it is still very much intact and yeah, really cool. well told yeah well i guess to follow on to a previous comment i think it must be really difficult for developers uh to uh, gin up these puzzles and things Knowing that the knowledgeable uh, adventure gamers from you know from years past will work through that puzzle and think, oh yeah, that's Riven, you know, so and so island, or I saw this in Aura, or I saw this in so and so, just rehashing old puzzles with different colors and objects or whatever. 
Well, uh, I have to wonder, though, if they're not kind of using that now because previously, back when adventure games were bigger, you know, uh-huh. they were doing all these puzzles and it got to the point where all the puzzles were just rehashes of old puzzles. I think that's part of why it died out. Yeah, yeah. And but, it kind of gets back to the danger, too, of building a game that's just puzzles for the sake of puzzles with really... Right. But now <laughs> you have a, much, a thin little semblance of a story tying the puzzles together, you know. Mm-hmm. But now you have a much newer... Um, group of players playing these games. They've never played the old ones. They don't know those puzzles. Well, that's so a good point. They're yeah. using the puzzles yeah. now. And they won't listen to we old-timers anyway. So, <laughs> How many people are, have played Monkey Island before? You know, you have all these mm-hmm. new kids, and they, it's on Xbox Live, it's on the iPhone, it's on Steam. Uh-huh. And, I mean, <laughs> they're seeing this for the first time, like, oh, this is kind of a cool game. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that game was... Oh, kids hate, hate, hate that the most. They don't want to be told that you've enjoyed something they are now enjoying <laughs> yeah but i mean it looks absolutely beautiful though with these you know fresh like painted looking hd landscapes yeah it's still the exact same game in fact you can even hit a button in it and switch between the old graphics and the new graphics anytime you want I loved, really I switching that's yeah, pretty yeah. Fun. Switch back yeah. And interesting and you can do, cool. it in, do it in the middle of sentences and stuff like it's just but it's because the new version is basically just a skin over the old. Like they've okay. they still them. got Dominic Armado to come in and record all these old dialogue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that was the that was pretty much like if it wasn't for all of the the uh, spoken dialogue, it wouldn't be worth buying in my opinion, especially on the iPhone because I think they fixed it a fair bit now. But originally the control scheme on the iPhone version was absolute rubbish. Like, it was just so dense, you couldn't, you know, it was so frustrating. But I think they fixed it a bit now, it's a bit more um, responsive. But, um, yeah, you know, you know yeah. What's, uh, what's interesting is that uh, my friend, uh, who is a total junkie, you know, he has all these, he's the same one that showed me the Penny Arcade one. What, um, what kind of junkie? Uh, yes, <laughs> adventure game. Junkie. Okay, okay, just In a good way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, point is, um, you know, there were a bunch of us sort of over, and we're all sort of into this stuff, and he, and he boots up his old copy of uh, Monkey Island 3. And the first thing everybody says basically at the same time is, oh my god, this voice acting is amazing. Mm. And I think it really kind of makes the games what it is. And that's, that, as you said, kind of the charm of the uh, of the, the remake. Although I've noticed from what I've seen of the remake that the, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the actual way they implement the voice acting is a little awkward because each phrase is broken up. So mm. I thought the voice was very different. I, I checked the imdb and it's the same guy for uh three point throughout the whole game series yeah but, um the, the first one that i played though was the 3d one but with monkey combat oh that's <laughs> the worst one yeah i know i i, I know <laughs> believe me i know yeah. but but I, I thought i mean the the intro to the game and the first like the, the demo that that kind of covered um melee island i think it was was the sound that he was the voice that he was doing is a lot different than the one I hear in this one, and I and I actually found the the video or video capture of it on YouTube to compare to be sure that it wasn't just me. Yeah, that the sound is very different between the two. I don't know if they if he was being coached differently in that game or not. Or and I'm I'm noticing that since the, with the resurgence, I don't see any uh, Escape from Monkey Island resurgence occurring. <laughs> mm. Although I would like to see Graham Fandango resurge. Oh gosh, yes. Uh-huh. They should seriously just go back through their entire catalog, LucasArts, and redo every single game they ever made, essentially. <laughs> Imagine, like, how much money they would make. Like, I- I'm-, I'm sure they must be doing Monkey Island 2. They must be remaking Monkey Island 2, because Monkey Island 1 has done so well. There's been a lot of demand for them to release uh, Monkey Island 3 on Steam. Yeah. Oh, actually, 
One thing I might throw in, just for a little while back, there was this guy, I think he's still working on it, but basically what he did was he tried to create like a, just sort of like a non-playable demo of what it would look like to have Monkey Island built on the CryEngine 2. <laughs> yes, I saw that. Have you seen that? It's yes, fantastic. It is yes, absolutely <laughs> amazing. Um, I'm trying to bring up a link. I'll probably have to tiny URL it. But it was just like, you know, certain environments um, from, I think it was the second game. And it's just, you know, it basically just gotten the, the original graphics and sort of put them onto a, a 3D mesh. Well, that comes to a point that I made before is that, you know, Crisis, you know, when, when your hardware is just barely running crisis whenever things get hot and heavy with all the the action and the, the gunfire and the tanks and the planes and all the stuff it gets really slow because there's too much going on, on screen like how perfect would this engine be for a more static environment like a puzzle yeah. game because it, you wouldn't have the big resource hit of all the action you know like- it's funny you'd mention that it's funny you'd mention that because if you've heard of blue mars i investigated that briefly and it is an online world that's actually built around the crime yeah 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on their website. They're quick to point out that it's not a finished product so much as a development platform, wherein uh, third parties can uh, can build their own worlds, kind of like a very sophisticated looking Second Life. But they will presumably provide the tools, or at least the plugins, to allow you know third parties to build worlds in there. And it's very interesting to think about what could happen if the Uru fan community could approach that and build these, you know photorealistic worlds in the cry engine yeah it's, it's uh, really surprising because like the the cry engine is such a, a great engine and the yeah. cry engine 2 the cry engine 2 specifically and yeah. very few third parties have actually made use of it yeah with uh valve source engine some uh some some people just can't um they can't really make it sing you know like like, yeah. like the yeah. actual developer is but uh, there is hope on the horizon, though, because they have CryEngine 3, which is going to be a cross-platform one that works on PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, PC, and uh-huh. maybe that'll, that'll bring that kind of convergence and usability and, and uh, development friendliness that we want from it. Yeah. But will, will, will the engine be as good, though? That's the question, if they're making it for multiple platforms. Like, I've yet to see like a cross-platform thing that ever does as well as I don't know. making it like, a single platform. Like I think Assassin's Creed looks great on on you know 360 PS3 and the PC, and I th- and the the video of the CryEngine 3 um, looks very promising of the the environments they showed. There there is a I mean if you've seen um, Crisis with everything cranked all the way up, which is it's kind of painful to watch because it's a slideshow, but yeah. <laughs> you, see, you see what the environment can can look like with everything cranked all the way up. You have an idea of how much how many steps backwards CryEngine 3 is in detail. But that's not to say it's like hideous and muddy and ugly. It's just it's just not that level of crisis. And crisis really aimed high. And like I, it's it's yeah. kind of like when I when I first betaed Vista, I was like, what kind of hardware did they think people are going to have when this yeah. comes out? Because because yeah. the first beta Vista, you know, would hover at twenty percent CPU usage and one point five gigabytes of RAM. And it's just like, yeah. you know, goodness gracious, what do you think we're going to have? So, uh-huh. hmm. Well, as I understand from uh, kind of poking about the Blue Mars website, is that they are kind of trying to push the engine when it comes to virtual worlds. And if you look at the screenshots of Blue Mars, I mean, they just blow you away because they are just far and away uh, spectacular compared to like Second Life and things like that. And mm-hmm. are even, are, uh, well, I guess um, Uru is amazing, but it's getting a bit dated, I think, as far as appearance goes. It yeah. just kind of blows that standard away too. Of course, it's more modern and current development, but 
it's just a very, very cool place to explore looking at the pictures. And um, again, it would be very cool to see some of the Uru worlds recreated in that kind of environment. Yeah, I well, think I think in some cases where we're at now with graphics and details, I think we don't need to push the graphics boundary much further to be happy with what, what we can accomplish. I think things need to be developed on a not maybe not even just a, a gameplay basis, but that mm-hmm. is one of the things I would consider. But like things like that that could be refined, like the the skeletal models inside of um, humans so that they, yeah. they move more properly. Because you, if you ever notice, whenever they reach a hand out and the hands down, the arm just kind of twists, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah it looks sort of painful. So things like that, I think, mm-hmm. could be improved. Um, I think facial animations could be improved. And, and you know how we have a physics engine like Havoc and PhysX? I think uh-huh. we could have like companies that would specialize in certain portions, like hand gestures, facial movements, maybe even just mouth movements. Plug-ins and things that would work with a given engine. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. That's That was my thought, anyway. But you know, there's one factor that plays into all of this that I think gets a minority of, of emphasis is the story, the story value. Yeah. Because uh, it was always the stories that drew us into the Cyan Worlds games. And I think that Cyan themselves would be the first to tell you that it's all about the story. Mm-hmm. I really, really miss that when it's, of course, it's a lot of fun to make your own story, mm-hmm. but to make a story that's so tightly integrated into the environment and the puzzles and things like that takes a really, really special skill or yeah. a special team of folks with different skills all you know put together yeah. to work together on something like that. And I don't think that the, you know, the user ages are going to get to that level. But speaking as a non-world builder, it's easy to say. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I think a lot of but again, the strength, it's just to emphasize was the, the story. Yeah, the story factor was yeah. just huge in Uru, and it would be great mm. to see this paid to that. Now that whole that whole point about story is a really, really, really great point. Um, yeah. There's a story um, about um, when when they developed the first Final Fantasy game, and the company I don't remember what they were called at the time, probably Square something, but they were going downhill, and they all thought this was going to be their last game. So they mm-hmm. tried a different approach to the game, and I think it was the game director that said, well, maybe I'm not really good at designing game mechanics, but I sure as heck can tell a very good story, so why don't we just try to do that? And it worked, and now they're on 13. So Yeah. <laughs> and well, yeah, they well, just, that sold phenomenally, and now there's, mm-hmm. you know, totally popular, and yeah. yeah. So success story. Well, I think part of the strength of the Myst games isn't so much the spoken story, but the unspoken story. Yes, yeah. you walk yeah, into an environment, and exactly it's very mis- mystical and evocative, and you know that there's something there, but you never find out, like, you never find out the backstory of a lot of these environments, but there's always that sense lure. there's something yeah. there, and that's what makes yeah. it so so immersive, I think, is just that yeah. there's all this lore that we never hear about or never see. And you never uh, think to yourself that I've seen all there is to see here, because there's always something behind the scenes or around the corner or, you know... <laughs> Yeah, but you realize that everything's there for a reason. I mean, so many of these yeah, adventure yeah. games have these weird objects for no apparent reason, but mm-hmm. the Mist games and Uru, all the objects there were there for some purpose, whether it was tied into the story or whether it tied into the gameplay. Yeah. You knew it was important for some reason or other. Yeah. It's not that there weren't red herrings, but even they were very clever. Mm. Well, anyway, let's move on to a, a funny point here. <laughs> High time. Uh, Nick and I were talking earlier, and... Uh, I don't know how we got on Vegemite, <laughs> but we did. And, and I guess Kraft has their own special Vegemite product in uh, Australia. And it kind of reminded me of something I had seen lately on Dig. Uh, I guess there is a, uh, a bacon jam product out there. And <laughs> this has nothing to do with tech. It has nothing to do with games. But for some reason, a lot of gamers that I know always talk about bacon. I don't know what, what, the, what the tie is. But, uh, 
<laughs> Who doesn't love bacon? Come on. Uh, well, your heart, for one thing, but in any oh, case. Yes. A lot to, is not a person. <laughs> there's a lot to be said for bacon pro and con. Let's, let's, yeah. So, so I, I thought <laughs> I'd bring, putting it. Yeah, I thought I'd bring up the, the, the bacon jam just for, for Nick's benefit. So. Yeah. <laughs> put the bacon jam on bacon. Oh. It's really out there. Should we put the URL out there so folks can actually... Yeah, it, it, I've, I've got it ready. It'll be in the... the the podcast notes. Okay, okay. So moving on again to technology, uh, Nick, you're you're interested in the Kindle? I am because very recently it's been announced that they're going to actually um, ship it on out here in the near future. There's been a kind of a bit of a buzz about that, and I've you know listened to um, other sources talking about the Kindle. Well, and, for listeners uh, who don't know, Nick lives in Australia. Uh, yeah, yeah. I live in like the backwards part of the world where. You know, we still ride horses instead of driving cars and all that yeah, kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong so. with that. <laughs> and and, and where, where bandwidth has to do with belt sizes and less about yeah. that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much. But I was just wondering, yeah, like, obviously you guys have been in a market, like, you know, in the States where there's been a lot more of that kind of market saturation of these these e-readers. What, what are your opinions on, not necessarily the Kindle, but just e-readers in general? I can comment from previous experience. I don't own a, a dedicated reader per se, but back when I was using my pocket PC quite a bit, I was downloading books from like the Gutenberg Project and things like that and finding that I really, really did enjoy reading on it. I could read myself to sleep at night and could get all kinds of books that I wouldn't without the trip to the library or the bookstore. I could just browse and grab stuff, old, you know, public domain books and things like that. But I like old books, you know, so it worked out very well. And I think it would be all that much more effective with a Kindle. I don't know if I would use the Kindle to purchase new new titles because I am not a big reader of current novels and things like that anyway. Well, the Kindle also has the ability to like read news and what have you. So right, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't just that. Yeah. And browse Wikipedia. Yeah, and and also and among other things, um, I was looking at a couple of newer books that came out lately, and the the electronic version is like nine dollars, whereas the actual book itself is twenty or thirty dollars. Yeah, and, it's kind of like my digital music versus yeah, and, CDs in a box. Yeah, and and of course, you know, with with the the Kindle, you you would have you know umpteen amounts of books in there, whereas like to carry all those books in a backpack is impossible, you know. Uh, yeah. I was I was gonna say, coming from personal experience, so one of the reasons I think the whole ebooks thing is really a good idea is because, you know, <laughs> I have broken many a bag in high school because of these giant, like five hundred pound books that they give us to carry yeah. around. Yeah. That we a lot of times don't even use. Yeah. Um now what they did do, I had this one class where um in addition to giving us the textbook, which we I never touched again until the end of the year when I handed it back in, they also gave us a copy of the book on a CD-ROM, which was actually just a PDF that I copied to the computer. But what happened sure. was that was really helpful because if I need to know a vocabulary word, I say, where's that vocabulary word? Pull up the search on Adobe. There it is. Uh, you know, oh. so – yeah, that's you, know, huge. I, you know, there's the whole like, you know, at least PDF files, but you know, being able to, you know, carry yeah. the, you know, like a lot of books, except this one very lightweight object. Uh huh. Well, the argument against that though is that it, it puts the publishers out of business, you know, because they, it can be, it could be uh, sent electronically. What do you need to have a printed version for? And that. Unless you need to purchase a license to open that book just as you would a piece of software, for example. Well, my whole point is, like, that's exactly the point. Like, why do we need mm -hmm. all these books? We can just have the digital files, you know, and they're... Yeah, but you've got to make sure that the artist or the author, in this case, gets their due. <laughs> I, and then I think that, that, you know, by cutting the publisher cost and...
and manufacturing process and resource burn out of out of the whole process should save money and benefit all involved except for the publishers. Yeah, but you'd like it's, to think the publishers would take it into account and yeah. it's like it's like the horse and carriage. Drop the prices you before know, that fighting against cars. You know, it's just uh-huh. it, it's going to happen, and you know, fighting it may may put it off for a little bit, but it's not going to stop it. Well, I can mm-hmm. think back to my sepia toned college days. <laughs> <laughs> they actually everything was in sepia tones when you were in it was yeah, yeah. everything was actually brown wow it, it was all this, color what, what all these colors and they invented color you know? uh-huh. and then everything yeah. suddenly was like oh hello everything looks a bit different now I helped yeah. with that by the way and it was really really fun to be a part of no anyway bicycling uh, <laughs> <laughs> across campus with my book bag on my handlebars full of these big heavy books uh Anytime you hit a bump, you'd eject books. I had that happen once. Starting to know what that feels like. To, you know, to zip the cover of the bag over. Just to have all your textbooks on a Kindle and stuck in your backpack or something would really be really be something else. Yeah, even if you like gave it a protective armor case, you still wouldn't be carrying anywhere near the the, the weight that you would be with all those no, books. No. Yeah, the only thing is, you'd look silly carrying around this like this little briefcase that you know <laughs> it's paper thin. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Now, is the Kindle Wi-Fi, or does it have its own web access? Or it has no Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's supposed to has it. It's it has like lifetime internet access, and that's part of what the mm-hmm. what the cost comes from. Anyone seen the XKCD comic about the Kindle? Uh, no. It's about how he makes the the joke of you know because it gets internet all the time, you can always go on Wikipedia. It's basically like a real life version of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Well, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Consult the book. <laughs> yeah. It shows it shows one of the characters scratching off Amazon Kindle, and under it, it says the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So, <laughs> mostly harmless. <laughs> they, they've got a new one, haven't they? The one by um, what's his name, Ian Colfer, who did the uh, Anonymous Fowl books. He's I actually got that in advance. They had it in my bookstore like three weeks before it was supposed to come out. I don't know why, but like I'm already halfway through it. It's it's it's. it's it I know good? we're going off topic here, but it's really you know a. A fun read, even you know if, if you're familiar with the series at all. Before you start bashing, uh-huh. it's like, oh, you can't be Douglas Adams, you know, but you know, because uh-huh. a lot of people have been. But it's really an enjoyable read. It's no Adams, yeah. but it's really enjoyable. So interesting, I didn't know about that because I read all the Hitchhikers books and yeah, yeah. thoroughly enjoyed the trilogy. Apparently, on the Titanic. On the cover, yeah. it says part six of three. I appreciated that. <laughs> well, that's yeah, good. That's perfect. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's been part five of three for no. a while now. Go ahead. Sorry. I think it's actually based, supposed to be based on notes that Adams had for a six book, oh, but yeah. never finished, obviously. So it's actually okay. it's actually not just an entirely new storyline. It's based on Adams' storyline. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I'll have to pick it up. Well, let's move on. Um, as we are missing Uru gamers, we have we have things that we like in, in other games, game genres, and uh, game types. So, what, what's coming up? Let's just go down the line. Uh, let's pick one game. Let's see who's best to start with. I'll start with Sean. What are you looking forward? What's what's coming up that you need to get? I'm really looking forward to Last Guardian. Ah, oh, me yes. too. It just it looks so beautiful, and I got a copy of Shadow of the Colossus before it, and that was an amazing game. And yeah, it's by the same people who did the PlayStation exclusives, Ico and Shadow of the Colossus. Both excellent games. Yes, I never so heard. Yeah. They're, they're talking about putting them on the PlayStation Network, Ooh, which means should. which means that Jeff Wise will buy a PlayStation Three at that point. I, I might. 
All right, so what about you, Morris? What are you looking for? I'm sorry, Patrick. What are you yeah. looking for to? <laughs> Final Fantasy 13. It just looks absolutely gorgeous, and it looks like the gameplay is going to be really fun. It's going to have a very interesting story. You know, I've always been more or less a fan of what Square Enix has done, but you know, now that um, I'm in college and actually have access to people's uh, <laughs> PS3s, um, no, but that's that's expanding it because our our I, we've talked about this, and what we're going to do is we're going to like share it because you know we're gonna sort of take turns because it looks like a good enough game where like even watching it is fun uh-huh. so you our plan is to like have sort of sessions where, like, every and tuesday, play all the story part. <laughs> every, every tuesday or so we all get together and we play through it and you know we switch off you know after a while and you know but i'm really looking forward to that so so what about you jeff uh dragon age oh Bioware's new rpg yes very much in the same vein as the old uh, baldur's gate games that they made just looks epic. I thought when I heard first heard the name of it, I thought it was going to be like an uh, an Oriental focused RPG, it's and then really I saw the screenshots, and it's because I read the novel the novel that's supposed to be like a prequel to it because they came out with a novel about a year ago, uh, and it's funny because there's so many uh, fantasy references. I mean, it, it's really much a a Dungeons and Dragons style world. It's pretty blatant about that. <laughs> Whereas, mm. like, their Mass Effect game was pretty much blatantly a Star Wars, Star Trek kind of world. I mean, it's just yeah. them taking on the fantasy genre as a whole and creating their own unique world in it, but still kind of applying all the conventions of classic high fantasy. Well, it doesn't matter either way. It's Bioware, so, you know. You yeah, know. and their yeah. storylines are really good. And, and you already know what kind of pedigree is stamped on that game. Exactly. Mm. Well, I, I actually was fortunate enough to have some um hands-on time with with dragon age for it was on on the 360 that i played it on and it was actually really interesting because like obviously these games always have like a million spells that you can cast and a million different abilities and so what they had is they had this kind of ring system where you hit your abilities menu and it brings up a big circle of different kinds of spells and stuff and then you sort of go and select all that and it makes it a bit more simpler to do that on console whereas you know on pc you just do what you normally do and click on the menu they've obviously really they've they've worked a lot on just making that work across all the platforms equally which you know i think hopefully hopefully that bodes well for like there's not going to be any really horrible port like elements where it's just kind of like it doesn't work on the platform well, I think Mass Effect was was a proof of you know what they could do going to the yeah. PC from the 360. I think that well, I mean, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, Mass Effect 2 is a bit more universal in terms of the interface, whereas there are actually very significant differences in terms of interface between PC Dragon Age and console Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. So the ring menu and stuff doesn't exist on PC, for example. But you have but the mouse, just, though. Yeah. So it, it, it evens out. You don't need the ring menu on PC because you've got the mouse and keyboard. Yeah. yeah. So what are you looking forward to, Nick? Well, I'm obviously looking forward to um, Dragon Age as well, but I'm also um, interested in what's going to happen with uh, Left 4 Dead 2. I I guess, like, everyone who I've spoken to about Left 4 Dead has basically been along the lines of, yeah, it's fan- absolutely fantastic cooperative play, um, but it just kind of, you get sick of it after a little while, just because there's not a whole lot to it. And so I'm hoping that that might actually, it might be a bit of a, a change with with that they might actually be able to um you know, just extend what that core concept was it was essentially you know just get into a group and kill lots of zombies and mm-hmm. you know maybe they can actually do something a bit more with that in terms of actually just making stringing that out for a bit longer well uh, i think that's big weakness of the first game 
I was reading that they Left Dead Two. They've got like a newer version of the engine, which uh, allows them to instead of just changing where zombies pop up uh, in the game, the first game, they can change the layouts of the levels pretty dynamically now. So it's all completely randomized. So no two levels are mm-hmm. going to be the same in uh, Left 4 Dead 2, which could offer some yep. good Well, I mean, that was the other thing as well, is that, yeah, like the, all of the maps in Left 4 Dead would just be the same every time you play through them. The difference would be where the, the monsters would spawn. But yeah, like they're obviously looking to, to change the actual maps themselves. And that's uh, actually... Well, I'll, I'll just pop in again with Diablo 3 is also something I'm pretty excited about. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be out anytime <laughs> soon. But they're doing the same thing with that, is that they're, they're basically setting out to make every single... Well, not every single. There's some static environments, but the majority of areas are actually randomly generated. So it'll just be interesting to see how that works in a technical sense, whether it actually just makes the game feel cobbled together or whether it actually creates a different game world each time. Wasted so many hours playing Diablo 2. <laughs> so Jeff? Yes? Jeff, I just noticed on the forums that your your title is owns five copies of Riven. Five copies of Riven? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I find the number five significant. But I mean, I've got uh, I've got uh, let's see, two copies of the PC version. I uh-huh. have two copies of the DVD version, and I have the PlayStation version. <laughs> oh, I was, I was just wondering why why you would have five. Uh, I just kind of collected them in various different like re-releases. <laughs> I had enough trouble getting through one. <laughs> you know, if you're not using one of those DVD versions... <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I only have the old CDs, and those are basically, like, they don't work with anything anymore. Well, so. The funny thing about uh, the PlayStation port... The PlayStation port of Riven is actually really good. I mean, uh-huh. as far as you did something to the form... It looks pretty good for a television... <laughs> kind of resolution yeah so i mean it's playable but compare it to the playstation port of mist which i also have uh it's a terrible port of a very simple game but i mean the funniest thing about uh mist on playstation is that there's a pause button (laughs) (laughs) you can hit pause and it pauses the game it's like what, what's there to pause, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I could see if you were in Mist Three with the roller coaster ride about pausing it, but yeah, it's not you like Riven. You know, goes along at a breakneck speed. At least when I played it, it didn't. <laughs> I, I remember trying to play at a friend's house the PlayStation port of Riven, and the entire time I was like, "How do you put up with this?" Because I was so used to the PC version, it's like because you had because you had to move the cursor with the one stick, and then you know, I don't I don't remember it was a long time ago, but I was always like, oh my god, how do you how do you do this? And then it would have to load sometimes, and that was like a pain. Mm. Another apparently bad port is the Mist port to the DS, which disappointed me because I would always hope that they made Mist on the DS, and when it came out, it was apparently awful. It was bad. I heard they added Rhyme to it though. They did. Yeah, I was but, excited about yeah. that. It's not 3D. Like they took screenshots of oh, really? real mist, and they made it like a slideshow. Oh, which geez. makes so, sense. But rhyme are... looks different because rhyme is rendered in real mist engine, and they just took screenshots from real mist, and it, <laughs> it just seems really out of place with the rest of the game. Uh, is there uh, anything you're looking forward to, Griff? Yeah. Uh... Yes, in a way. I'm anxious to see what Magic Quest Online is going to look like. Primarily because it's a cyan game, or the you know the gameplay and the visuals are cyan. But just to see what they can do with a partner like uh, Creative Kingdoms. Mm. It's, it's kind of a different setup this time, because in the past, when the story and all the visuals and gameplay were all 
up to Cyan. In this case, the story and concept is coming from somebody else, and Cyan is illustrating it primarily and providing the you know the engine and the visuals. It should be interesting to see what happens with this teaming. And uh, aside from that, it's really kind of hard to say. I still like periodically getting back into the older adventure games, the um, the uh, Dreamcatcher uh, Dreamcatcher titles. So many. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed when I played. I think I was probably most of the way into Aura, and uh, it busted. And at one place where a character was supposed to respond, she didn't. And essentially, <laughs> it was game over, you know. And it took me a long time to get there with all kinds of, you know, all kinds of puzzles solved and rims traveled and things like that. But suddenly I couldn't go any farther. So that was that. But I do, I make it back into some of the other Dreamcatcher games just to enjoy those again. Because I do. I think they're There's really a few good games. ones. Yeah, there are. A few stood out. I'd kind of like to try to get the PC version of Obsidian, which is an old title that was one of the most unreal spectacular games i've ever played oh, and i, I think it's practically for, yeah i think it's practically forgotten these days but my goodness what an experience that was it was really really surreal it was presumably based on dream worlds and um it was very very dreamlike and i was very impressed that the the uh, creators were able to you know to take something as ethereal as a dream and can bring it into a game and a very viable game at that and still keep that dreamlike atmosphere to it it really really was very cool i may I keep trying to convince myself to get back into GameTap simply to play some of the Dreamcatcher games there. Yeah, they, uh, I was going to say it, um, they have Mysterious Journey in there, the second one. And I know Schism, yeah, yeah. Schism was unbelievably difficult, but... Schism was a booger. I, in fact, I, pur- <laughs> I, pur- I purchased Schism and still have it. Only to say that it was, it was one of those, even with the hints, it was almost impossible for me to get any further... It was one of those, like, uh, even after I'd see the solution in the, you know, the walkthroughs and things like that, I'd think, how in the world was I supposed to come to that conclusion? I yeah. felt that way about Mist 4. I never finished Mist 4. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I no, never I did either. that one either. And yeah. I had the player's guide, and the game came with a player's guide built into the interface of it, so. It didn't help like I pride oh, myself on the fact that I got through Mist 4 without, like, cheating once. Like, well, the entire game, I didn't look at anything. I just had a notebook, and I was writing stuff down. And I go on the forums. I used to go on the forums, and I'd see everybody complaining. And I was in my head, I was going, ha-ha, I can do it, and you can't. It's like <laughs> well, jungle it, it took- puzzle with the monkeys that got me. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. was the, for me, it was the crystal lock. And the, the particular yeah. part of the crystal lock was yeah. having to tune the gears underneath the crystal lock. I never got that far. That was what killed me. And I think there was a trick where the first slot wasn't zero. It was, in fact, number one. And so I kept uh-huh. tuning it wrong because every every switch was one number off. And I couldn't work out why it didn't work. Oh, man. It well, was so evil. Well, taking yeah. just a step back, the, 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 the point I want to make about uh, Mysterious Journey is that it was actually pre-rendered. Or not, pre- not, not pre-rendered. It was actually th- uh, a 3D real-time engine. Yeah. And I played the demo and... It, it it seemed a little obtuse, like 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 schism. But the nice thing about it is mm-hmm. there's, there's people there, so it, it gives you, yeah. it, you it connects you to the game more, I think. And it's and not to say anything bad about it, kind of Mister Riven, but mm-hmm. in games that don't that don't put as much thought in their environments as Cyan has done, you know, yeah. the people add the element of personality to the environment lacking in the yeah. so. 
So if you if you do game tap, you have to tell me what you think of the Mysterious Journey too. I'm looking at screenshots of it right now on Amazon, and yes, it looks very impressive. Yeah, it looks it looks a lot like the pre-rendered version. It, do, it does not yeah, look substantially yeah. different to the point you're you're thinking, oh, it's going to be taking such a step back. And I think we've reached a point where, if you if the game if they know what, what kind of what they're rendering and what they can do in the scene, they can probably dial things up to the point like that pre-rendered becomes less of a less of a bonus versus the yeah, the real-time yeah. renderings. How can you wander around freely in Mysterious Journey? Too? Yes, it's, uh, at least you could in the demo. No kidding. Yeah, Very I was, and it was it kind of struck me. Um, I think they actually used the Lith Tech engine, which comes uh, from No One Lives Forever and No One Lives Forever Two. Yeah. So that's uh, I, I I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was though. Well, I was in uh, I was in the Mac store today, and on the shelf I saw uh, Ren uh, Three. And I really? said to myself, I said to myself, wow, they're still making this? Because I yeah. remember playing Riven, and at about that time, the first REM came out. And I looked yeah. on the shelf, and I said to myself, wow, this looks like a ripoff of Riven. So, because <laughs> <laughs> it looked like the exact same cut. They even had, like, the mysterious quote by, like, the apparently very wise man, you know, <laughs> that ends in dot, 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 and is written in script on the back of the box. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, sure enough, if you go to rem3.com. It's got its own website. Very interesting. Do they so say much about the beginning that, has not yet been written? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be the ultimate ripoff. <laughs> I'm thinking so. Yeah. So Anthony's been quiet. What's what's your uh, your focus for a new game coming up? I was going to say I was going to say Dragon Age, but you guys have already stolen it. Well, it doesn't doesn't mean you can't say it. You can say why. Yeah. This has to be original. Even though the children will have to kill you. Yeah, what? that's right. It's all about you original. Can talk now. About, <laughs> you can talk about Dragon Age. You just can't talk about the same things about Dragon Age that we've already talked about. Yeah. Did you guys know they came out with a character creator? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Pretty good. Wow. I, I created the most shockingly ugly woman in that. <laughs> like, <laughs> somehow, <laughs> she was like bald. She had tattoos all over her face, and had, we managed to make her cheeks puff out. So she looked like some kind of crazy monkey <laughs> wow, creature. Nice. It was just really bizarre. Um, I, if I had a screenshot on me, I'd send it to you, but I don't, unfortunately. Cause we created my World of Warcraft character, I think. Yeah. Well, well, my uh, my choice for an upcoming game is uh, Assassin's Creed 2. Of course. And yeah. uh, See if you uh, can pick anything else. Uh, now let, let's just, let's be clear. I, I work tech support for a living, and I've I've learned new levels of hatred for customers. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and wow. Assassin's Creed is a vent. It's a release. Yeah. And, and so and so, what I have discovered is a newfound love for violent video games. <laughs> and and I remember the like the first one I started with was Fear Two, and I, I fired it up, and it was you know. <laughs> And I have to be clear, in real life, I cannot stand blood. I've, I've had enough, like, of sick animals with wounds, and, like, my cat uh-huh. actually just got an infection from being bitten by something. I mean, yeah. this stuff is disgusting to me. Like, I've, in real life, I have no stomach for this. And video I've games. Blood working on my car. Yeah, it, it, and video games bring on the gore. It, it's and uh-huh. it's funny. Like when I played Fear Two, I was just so. <laughs> I would like if I would finish like playing for about five ten minutes, and I put it down. I'm like oh, I feel so much better. My day is better now because <laughs> it's just we we just uh they they uh I don't know how to say it. But they they took the amount of clients I worked on and multiplied it times five. Here you go. They didn't like uh-huh. work, they didn't like add one or add another. They added five. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, uh, now I'm up to seven. And so the customers, I was really taken on the chin from them because I just didn't know all the stuff off the top of my head. There was so much documentation for each and every client. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, while while I'm very capable of, at fixing virus-infected computers, every client has their own different policy and what have you. And long story short, very frustrating. 
And so, <laughs> and so I look at the the deliciously violent Assassin's Creed Two, and I cannot wait to get my hands on that. I've got to tell you, um, uh, me and my girlfriend were in the mall recently, and we passed a game store, and a trailer for Assassin's Creed Two is playing. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but it I mean I know this was you know just pre you know this isn't the game's engine. But regardless, like we spent a good like five minutes trying to figure out wh- whether this was live action or rendered. And really? when we realized it was rendered, we went, oh, my God. Like, I know yeah. this is not actually the game engine, but like they put like an intense amount of care into, you know, even that. So uh-huh. yeah, it it's, was like it's very detailed. I, I guess they I forget what the numbers were, but they they drastically compl- uh, increased the staff uh, between Assassin's Creed one and two. To address like all the problems everyone had with Assassin's Creed One, yeah. <laughs> so it's it, it's it's promise it looks like it's going to be a promising game. Mm-hmm. So mm. Nick brought up brought to my attention today something fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Call of Duty is is Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two is having a scandal right now. Oh yeah, in community because uh, <laughs> because there's not going to be a dedicated server and it's it's spiking a revolt uh, although this revolt seems a little more um, has better numbers than the people who were complaining about Left 4 Dead 2 and there's a petition with 20,000 people protesting it uh, people swearing up and down they're going to uh, cancel their pre-orders it, it, now just to offer my humble opinion at the moment to me Call of Duty 4 is only a single player game and so that the price increase for Modern Warfare 2, with no promise of a longer single-player game, turns me off from it. So I already don't want the game because of that fact alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dedicated server is what what has been said to set to set PC games apart from console games, where you can run your own dedicated server for either in 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 your house with, on a LAN or just with people in your local area, or have it hosted on a, a hosting solution of your choice, that kind of thing. And they're pretty much taking that completely out of the community's hands. So, so yep, so they can sell you downloadable content and nickel and dime you to death. Exactly, and you know, and I think that's that was also one of the benefits of getting the PC game is a lot of that stuff tended to come for free. Mm. And I guess the companies have just gotten greedy. Uh, what do you, what's your take on it, Nick? Well, I, I just find like when Infinity Ward actually announced that they would be doing it as a matchmaking thing as opposed to allowing dedicated servers, it just seems ridiculous to me that they were trying to sell it as a good thing. It's like, hey guys, ne- guess what? We're now allowing matchmaking for PC users as well. <laughs> you know, it's like this is something that you want to have, right? And everyone's just like, are you kidding? You know, we want to be able to have our own servers, and we want to be able to do those kind of matches. We don't want to have a centralized service. The other thing is that it's um, supposed to be heavily integrated with Steam, so it's very much driving towards that kind of centralized meeting place instead of having, you know, your independent lands and small servers and things like that. It doesn't sound dissimilar to what Blizzard have been talking about with the new Battle.net, but I guess the difference is is that I guess the people who play, you know, Call of Duty 4, there's much more of a a clan focus and a sort of hardcore focus there, where people want to be able to have their own servers for their for their groups, and they they feel like something's been taken away from them. Well, they're saying the VAC will uh, negate mods too. Yeah, well, that's the other thing as well is that people are being outraged that they're not going to be able to edit the game, which, you know, is something that Modern Warfare has sort of benefited from. Which is one but of yeah, the strong just... appeal of, of, of the PC version. Like, that's that's one of the reasons to get, yeah. like, you know, Elder Scrolls 4 built yeah. for PC and not for the Xbox, because you get all these I mods. Think, I, and I think a lot of the PC gamers uh, sort of feel that 
you know, they're being sort of lumped into the console crowd, and they would like to have that kind of independence and those advantages that they have being on the PC platform. So, I mean, I, I think it's just, I could see the benefits of, of such a system, but I also think that, I mean, Infinity Ward really just didn't think it through when they decided to do that. Like, it was, it should have been fairly obvious to them that if they did something like this, there would be a huge backlash. Well, it should be PC. like anything yeah. they do on the PC. It, it should have the symbol version up front and a switch you can flip or a console command you can put in that gives you the advanced stuff. Yeah, yeah, you should have... Well, I think that's what happened with Left 4 Dead, wasn't it? Was that they had the matchmaking service and then they patched in, at some later stage, the ability to pick a particular server. Yeah. Mm. Like, they, I think that's what happened. So, that I don't mind, because there's still the option there, but I think for a lot of people, this will be a bit well, too much. In, in, and, <clears throat> of course, people say, like, consoles sell so many more, and my argument to that is, like, well, you know, mm. there are people with small feet. doesn't mean they, don't, they shouldn't have socks made in their size, you know? <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, and, and look, along those lines... One of the really annoying things is with Ghostbusters, the Ghostbusters video game, is that the multiplayer has been stripped out for the PC version. <laughs> I saw that. So the PC version has zero multiplayer. There's not even split screen or local multiplayer oh. or anything. It's been totally pulled out. Um, and their reasoning, the official uh, statement from Atari, who are the publishers, was basically it would detract from the overall multiplayer experience if we had to make multiplayer for two different platforms. So we thought we'd better just do one and make that really good than make multiple versions on different platforms and have it all kind of meh. But of course, that doesn't, it doesn't, that doesn't help PC games at all. It just makes them more angry because they're the ones that have been shafted. It's, yeah, and the multiplayer it's an in Ghostbusters isn't that good anyway. Well, but it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's more the principle of the matter as well, though. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah PC. You know? And the game itself is only, what, seven hours long, single player. That's how long it took me to get through it anyway. But um, in a way, you can't really blame companies because console is where the money is at. Yeah, I, I think that the, the Ghostbusters more, the strength would have been pirate games. The, the strength would have been cooperative play. Though yeah. I would argue that given enough time, that if gaming moves over to consoles, it will become just as easy to uh, pirate on those as it is on computers, especially as they start to become more and more multitask devices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, well that's, I mean, that's what that's what happens if the PC sort of disappears as a gaming platform, consoles will have to become more PC-like in some regards. Yeah, like, like the PlayStation 3, you can plug keyboard a mouse and keyboard into it. Yeah, you're it. already seeing it. You're already seeing it because they're mm -hmm. taking more of that market, and I think eventually it'll get to the point where if you remove the PC, everyone will just turn their attention to pirating yep. console version. Yeah. The, the major problem is not what platform it is. It The mega problem is the sales model, I think. And Gabe Newell said something about this a while ago where he was like, Okay, well, if you disregard the fact that pirating is illegal, if you look at it ter in terms of sales and services, pirates provide a spectacular service in that they get games out, they get TV shows out, all this stuff out days after it appears originally, and they get it to countries that aren't even being serviced. So countries, mm -hmm. there might be countries that are not going to get a certain TV show for years for various reasons. They can get it days after it launches, and they're getting it for nothing. So that's the kind of thing that the big companies are having to compete with, and they have to work out ways to make themselves more attractive than the pirates. Well, he also uh, get that market back. I, wasn't wasn't he the one that said that that they are pretend, that pirates are potential customers, and that it was just a matter of reaching them like those like yeah. uh, Left 4 Dead when they sold it. I don't know how long after it came out for like half price, or whatever. They easily beat the the amount that they sold at launch time. Yep. because of that half yeah. price deal. I and think, so and I think to it, some people, it may just be a matter of price as far as, like, you know, piracy goes. 
Yeah. What's well, funny uh, you mentioned it because there's something coming up with uh, Dragon Age. In fact, uh, the game when it's launching, Bioware is putting in a download code for some of the neat extra things that are included in the game itself, but you only get them if you purchase the game brand new, mm. and because they add it as like an extra download that you have to unlock. Yeah. To kind of and that, and that, and that makes from. a lot that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, you can charge for something, and you can still make yourself more attractive than someone who's selling your product for free it's just how you sort of i think i guess treat your clientele and what kind of things you can offer them that they only they can get from you and yeah that kind of thing is i think a good step in that direction well moving on from the potential piracy uh <laughs> or at least i hope i hope we are last topic is uh we're going to talk about windows 7 which uh, by the by the point of the release of this podcast will be out but at this point it is coming out tomorrow Mm-hmm. Or well, it's already out here. Or for for near, or for Nick, it's actually out in, in Australia already. <laughs> it's been yeah. out for it's been out for over twelve hours already. Goodness. I have no idea how many have been sold. <sighs> It'll be out here in about two and two hours twenty minutes. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I'm not going to Best Buy at, at twelve a.m. to get one of seven. <laughs> and, and furthermore, I'm not paying retail prices. For. Hey, people did that for 95 when it came out. I, I, I did remember that. <laughs> I did it for XP, but that was because um, back then to get an OEM version of software, you had to buy a piece of hardware, and I just didn't feel like buying some piece of junk just to get the operating system cheap. Mm-hmm. So, But in, in any case, uh, uh, Windows 7, I, I've been using it. Uh, if I used the beta, it had some, some glitches right out of the, the gate, which really bothered me. Like, if, uh, if you didn't patch it before putting your data on it, it would destroy parts of your music collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there's a like, bug. <laughs> like that, that is that's a showstopper. They got to yeah. fix that one fast, and um, and they did. They had a patch out just shortly after the beta release. Yeah. So, uh, but after that, um, I had a few games that were that wouldn't play nice with the with the seven thousand build, the original one that came out in beta. Uh, mm-hmm. But once they got the release candidate, I, I've it's ran everything I've thrown at it with no problems that I can yeah. think. Of. I've been impressed with what I've seen so far. I'm running Windows 7 on a second laptop that I have at work, and I think the machine is probably over three years old. And even though I've upgraded the RAM to one gig, it's still it's handling Windows 7 very, very well, and I don't have any problems with it at all. I use it for pretty much everything, and it has had very few problems. It runs very quickly. It doesn't really overtax the system in any way that I can think of. So I can just imagine um, how it would perform on my desktop machine that's worlds beyond that, functionally. And also, what's nice for you is because, you know, Windows 7 is newer than your desktop machine. When you install it, it'll just recognize everything. Right, exactly. And you'll, you'll need video driver updates, but, you know, that's, you yeah. need video driver updates no matter you what device you use. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> true. But the, that's, what, that's when I had to reinstall my father's machine lately. He had XP on it, and something mm-hmm. was malfunctioning. And as a test to see if, you know, to see if the hardware was failing because I just didn't feel like digging in the case, I just thought I'd just reinstall the operating system. It hasn't been done in five years. It's time. Uh-huh. And so I, but then I thought, I'm like, oh, I got to, before the thing is even usable on the network, I've got to install drivers. And I think, well, let's just throw a Windows 7 release can on there and see how it goes. Uh-huh. And so three hours later, the thing is completely installed, everything he needs on it, and it works yeah. great, no problems at all. Mm. So the problem was the only something problem more in- install of XP. Mm-hmm. The only single problem I've had with Windows 7 RC is, for some bizarre reason, if, like, if I turn my computer off and then turn it on and try mm-hmm. to boot into Windows 7, 
for some reason, it will not correctly mount my terabyte hard drive. Mm. Okay, oh. so my system, my system, the drive where all my system files are boots fine. My terabyte uh-huh. drive where most of my big applications and games and stuff are all stored will not mount. Okay, so it, I see it there, and I, if I try to open it, Windows will go, "Huh, you need to format your drive." Blah blah is, blah. Is the terabyte oh, internal? Yeah. The in, yeah, it's internal. The interesting thing is, if I then reboot into Linux, I have a dual boot with um, Ubuntu. If I boot into Linux, it will mount fine. Mm-hmm. If I then reboot from Ubuntu directly back into Windows 7, the drive mounts. Hmm. So it's something to do with how Windows 7 unmounts the drive, I think. But I don't yeah, know what the problem is. I run into problems with that because if you if you bring up... I, I have two hard drives on my computer as well, and my other drive has Vista on it. And when I go into the Vista drive, um, it doesn't show all the folders immediately. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like it's like a completely I think it completely disconnects from the drive in the interim when you're not using it. Maybe it's a power saving thing. I'm not sure that that's my guess. I'm not sure if that's a, that's what happens. But I know that when I go to the drive, I see two folders immediately, one of which is the uh, the Windows folder. And I forget what the other one is. And then I have to wait because I'm actually trying to get to my other user folder on, on the other Windows install. And that's the thing that isn't coming up yet. Yeah. yeah. And now well, my problem, like it doesn't even show like I've got it open here in front of me. It doesn't even show me how much disk space I have for that yeah. drive. It just it just knows there's a drive there, but it just can't tell me what kind of drive it is, how big it is. It can't tell me anything. And if I try to open it, it will be like, oh, this program does not have a valid file system. You need to reformat and blah blah blah. But I know for a fact that every file in there is intact. Yeah, Windows Seven kind of really kind of uh, hiccups on every external drive it connects. Like, do you want me to scan it? Like, no, I don't. I want you to open it, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You you really want to scan it? No, I don't. Oh, please, just scan it. Scan it. Come on. Stop telling me what I want to do. Yeah. But you know, I I talk to people. A lot of people who have um a lot of bias against Vista, and I I work on new Vista computers all the time. And uh, mm-hmm. um, I don't think Vista is any more or less immune to viruses than XP. So yeah. um, I, it's probably less because I see a lot of XP installs that are not updated in any shape or form. Like, I, I, it's strange yeah. getting an XP. There's no service pack. It's still IE6. And it's like, I mean, how do you not have Windows updates ever run? You know, it's, uh-huh. I just don't know how that occurs. So I'm glad that when Service Pack 1 came in, they actually started forcing automatic updates because these people just yeah. don't do it unless you force them. Yeah. And we've had a, we had an issue with the customer just lately where we actually updated the whole system because we, we weren't sure what the compatibility problem was. It solved the compatibility problem that we were on, the one that we were trying to solve. And then he called back two days later, one of his programs stopped working. But then I looked up that program. It's from 2002. Yeah. <laughs> well, service packs have made some big changes. When, and the program's by Corel. And it's been my experience that Corel d- is, doesn't have good uh, forward compatibility. It, uh-huh. it seems like as Windows updates, Corel seems to break. And I, I've seen that on several occasions. And I'm not saying anything bad about Corel. I love WordPerfect. But um, mm-hmm. I just I don't use it anymore because no one else is. Mm-hmm. So. I, I I just think even just the fact that, you know, even just the name, the fact that they've gone back to their old convention of having the subtitle be a number and not like some sort of artsy, you know, uh, word, you know, like XP, which was short for experience, and then uh-huh. Vista, is- which is, you know, um, you know, because when, when I first heard about Windows 7, I said, oh, okay, this must be the beta name, you know, because uh-huh. I, think, I think what was uh, Vista was like, what, Longhorn or something? Yeah. So... So, you know, I say, oh, it must be beta. And now it's actually coming out. I'm like, oh, it's not just the beta name. That's what it actually well, is. Well, that's actually huh? kind of fishy because um, back in uh, going back to like Windows 95 slash the NT4 era, mm-hmm. um, NT had a number. So but uh, when they went to NT5, they called it Windows 2000. 
Yeah. And then they went to NT 5.1, they called it XP. But yeah. Windows 2000 was supposed to be what XP ended up being. Windows 2000 was supposed to be the end of the Windows 98 slash 9X kernel, and yeah. everything was going to be on the, the NT kernel. So it was going to be 32-bit specific. But it was just, I guess it was just too early for the market. So XP is graphically very different than 2000, but, uh, you know, the underpinnings are largely very similar because, the, the you know, the versions are so close. The reason that's important, though, is that because Vista is NT6 and Windows 7, before they decided to rename it NT7, was like 6 point something. I, I forget ah. if it was 3 or 5, but yeah, so it, it's uh, the return to the number still isn't returning to, <laughs> to the number. That was my whole point of saying all that. <laughs> yeah, but even so, it makes more sense in using the year. Because yeah, it takes only a few months before the name of the product is obsolete. Yeah, even though you continue to use it, uh, continue to use it for a long time, the name you know simply says I'm old. <laughs> what? I would just wish they would just you know pick one and stick with it because I am getting so sick of software that's you know like the Norton's 360 and now it's Norton 2009. But they I used yeah, to have yeah. 2003 and 2004. I'm like pick one and stick with it. Uh-huh. You know I I had that Corel problem. It was Corel photo something six and now they're on uh paint something pro 2010 so it's hard mm-hmm. to tell how many revisions have happened in the middle there because maybe this right, if it's even the same project uh, product yeah. yeah so this thing could be like one version ago or it could be 10 versions ago i don't know it's it's hard to uh-huh. tell so that's what wikipedia is for <laughs> yes <laughs> you shouldn't have to do research though yeah. Well, I all I know is the what system specs on that that Corel thing said it, you needed 2000 or XP, and since mm-hmm. it didn't say XP Service Pack One or Service Pack Two, I have to assume it was before the service packs, which means that it's old enough uh-huh. that it's time to replace that software. Yeah. You know, and it, it and some customers they don't like that that news. Like I've had a customer call up and he had Windows 98 on his computer. I'm like, all right, your computer software is way <laughs> too old. Nothing we have supports your software. And he's like, well, it still runs fine. I'm like I'm sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> so that's about that's about it we're uh, at the end here yeah sure uh just to say that it's great to be back in the saddle and um while this isn't quite tct as we knew it it's the same team it's the same dedication and i hope that we'll have many more wonderful things to talk about hopefully from cyan but we'll take it as it comes and from all of us to all of you this is uh, the cavern today over the fence until next time Just getting started. <laughs> Man, we haven't even hit two hours yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> through, through the magic of uh, post-production, we'll be about 25 minutes, I think. Okay. <laughs> we all get about one oh, word oh, in. Oh, yeah, uh, Sean's been quiet, and Anthony's probably seven. working on his college project and decided yes. to be <laughs> muted over there. And I guess that kind of works out. But that doesn't mean that that'll fly all the time. You have to talk, Anthony and Sean. <laughs> Don't, don't make me come over there. Over the fence. Over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> it's all yes. so new to me. Yeah, we're all new at this. See, so, so you got oh. the fence here, and then the guy going over here, and uh... okay. must be noise. Makes sense. Although we're not recording now, are we? No, the recording is still running. Yeah, I think well, he's gone. Yeah, but it's not going to go into the. As I, far I, as you know, how do you know? Unless, unless, unless Janathus puts it in there. <laughs> Oh, uh, I don't claim to be the greatest at accents. And if that's what you're... Charlie Chan episode. Goodbye, Patrick. Click.
Off you go. Simpsons, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. The Genesis, whatever. Sir Genesis. Adios. Yeah, tuck yourself in. Nice talking to you all again, by the way. Yeah, it's yeah. been a long time. Yeah, nice to be back been. in the saddle. Yeah. Alright, talk to you guys later. Right. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.